Let's start. You are now rocking. Rocking with the best. Double rainbow. Oh my God. Live on your radio. It's the Beat Break with your host, Sean Garvey. I'm the dude. Break that ass up. It's the Beat Break Morning Show, the Beat Break Podcast. You're now rocking with the best. I go by the name of Sean Garvey, the architect in the studio, along with my compadre, DJ Roland. DJ Roland, what's happening? What's up? What's up, man? Hey, man. You sound a little bit half asleep there, sir. Um, yeah, but the thing about it is, it's just been on my mind, man, is dealing with this uh, 2021. I'm like, good Lord, we left 2020. You're trying to start off the new year <laughs> right, and 2021 yeah. is like... Uh, it's like the sequel. It's like a movie. It's like the sequel to 2020. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> ah. Yes. Yes. Woo. Without the Oscars, that is absolutely correct. Without the Academy Awards, without the Oscars, I don't think these two movies should be nominated. Hey, um, I mean, it is. Who, who has the envelope this time, man? <laughs> who has the envelope? Uh, uh, <laughs> Warren Bay. <laughs> Warren or the guy that said, oh, no, uh, it's actually Moon Knight. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, man. No, no. Uh, actually, it was Kanye West that opened up the envelope. Man, he can't even keep his, his life straight, man. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. Yeah. That, that fool right there, man. Uh, 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 I probably should have said someone else besides Kanye. I, I, I should have said someone else. Right there. But hey, what, what can you do? What can you do? So, ladies and gentlemen, we got some very special guests on the show, and I thought it was only right that I bring uh, these three professionals on the show. And, of course, we have Diamond Love on as well. She's uh, at a party right now. So, uh, yes, yeah, she is at a party in the morning, <laughs> in the morning, um, but she is on mute. So we are thankful to have her on the uh, live as well. But these three professionals are here to talk about mental health awareness. We haven't really been talking too much about it in the previous podcast that we have done in, in recent years. Um, but just like myself and many others who have experienced a form of mental health um, over the past few months or even during the year of COVID uh, 2020, I think it's only right that we have this important conversation and for those that are listening to us and hearing us live, uh, we definitely want to uh, encourage you all to uh, listen with family members or friends or even people that are in your circle and just take some important notes as you're listening. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to bring in my first guest. I had her on the Beat Break Morning Show before. She is an author, poet, writer, and I happen to still have her book to this very day. It is out right now, available online and in stores. It's called uh, Hope Love. Uh, she's a very amazing talent, and and I am definitely fortunate to have her on the Beat Break Morning Show, the Beat Break Podcast. Once again, we have S. Lonnie Hayes in the studio. S. Lonnie Hayes, are you there? Hey, Sean. How are you doing? Thank you. I am doing great. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. And I, I got to commend you first and foremost. You just came from a trip. I I'm not sure where you came from, but you was on a plane. And you and you actually 
connected with me before the show started and you told me you just wanted to get the specifics and the particulars on uh, what the show was going to be about and how it, how it was going to be. And, you know, you're just so amazing to actually hop on a flight and get down here in time to be a part of this podcast. So I just want to definitely acknowledge that first and foremost. I was just wanting to make sure I was going to be on time and on point. So, yeah, checked mm-hmm. in before the flight yeah. and yeah. Yeah. rushed over safely. Rushed over. Were you were you in first class or in coach? Um, So not even going to lie, I was in basic, but. <laughs> Delta has great basics. I'm short though, so <laughs> you know, I had plenty of leg space. Hey, I, I, hey, shoot, that's that's like first class right there. If you if you in basic, but you still have room to let your legs do whatever it needs to do, then that's that's kind of like first class in a way. Yeah, but I mean, um, to, me, I mean to me, it is. You, huh? you mentioned I wrote a book, and when I'm not writing. When I write, I'm S. Lonnie Hayes. When I am a therapist, I am Shanta Hayes. (laughs) As a therapist, I wrote another book, um, The Mindful Beginning Self-Care Journal. So it is a self-exploration and reflection on what you're actually doing to care for yourself. And in this time, it's absolutely critical that we learn to care for ourselves because sometimes we think we are and we're actually Mm kind of just going through the motions of life as usual yeah that's what it's all about and i'm definitely looking forward to talking to you once again appreciate you for coming on the podcast this morning also joining with us on the beat break morning show for the very first time uh and actually uh s lonnie hayes you brought this guy to my attention by the way we have harry scott gordon is that correct did i say his name right harry scott gordon i want to make sure i said his full name right Harry Scott Gordon, H. Scott, Scott, whatever you want to call me. It's fine. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. All right, Mr. Harry. How about that? I'm, I'm just going to call you Mr. Harry. How about that? <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. Harry has, Harry has an ex- Yeah, Harry has experience in working with many populations and mental health concerns, including emotional instability, anger management, drug and alcohol issues, stress, anxiety, depression, and the list goes on and on and on. And he is here to talk about mental health along with everybody else that's in the Zoom and in the studio. So appreciate you, Harry, for taking time out of your busy schedule as well to speak to us today. No worries, no worries. Appreciate the invite and appreciate being able to talk to about such an important mm-hmm. uh, topic that we have to, and, and, and it's such a blessing to me because now our community is not stigmatizing it anymore. We're freely and openly having these conversations. So, you know, excellent forum. So I appreciate being here. Absolutely. Appreciate you. All right. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, uh, definitely a good friend of mine. Uh, I interviewed her a while back on another podcast. She is a radio broadcaster as well as a podcaster herself in her own right. And she also works in the medical and health field. And she's going to expound on that in just a few moments but you can definitely check her podcast out on our network reach one network beat break 87 fm uh sunday nights at 6 p.m uh the name of the show is called maya my ambition your ambition she's also on monday through fridays from 11 a.m to 12 p.m on reach one network beat break 87 fm and our new app podcast fm she's also on multiple uh 
streaming services everywhere, syndicated radio and podcast host, Maya Akai. Maya, how you doing, ma'am? Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> love being part of the Reach One family. It's good stuff. And anytime you can make people warm up to the ideal of, I kind of don't say mental health as much as I say mental wellness, because it's semantics with people sometimes it kind of makes them pull away from it. So the thing I love about doing my podcast is that I approach things from a very fun and open-minded way and, and kind of talk about obviously topics that are really important and make people feel comfortable. So it's about my ambition, your ambition. It's about getting to the best version of you. Mm-hmm. So I kind of approach things differently. Right. Um, I'm a crisis intervention specialist in the emergency department. I've been doing that for going on 11 years. I've been working in the mental health field for 20 years um, in a lot of community-based programming. Um, I'm a counselor, obviously, by training and licensing, as well as addiction studies. I'm about to actually expand even into life coaching because I found as you grow and you learn more things about yourself, it isn't about the talk therapy anymore. Sometimes some people need a little coaching up to get into their game. So I'm expanding some of the things that I'm offering because I find everybody has different needs. So sometimes I think it's fun to be a life coach with somebody. You know, and kind of working through some different aspects of their life. So, I always say I'm kind of like that jack of all trades when it comes to mental wellness, so to speak. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And I really appreciate you. Your content is very amazing. I told you from the first episode, you you really hit me, Maya. You was like, ooh, you know, you needed that gut punch, that ugh, when it when it comes to matters of the heart and with the kind of content that you give to your audiences. And I know that you have people that are just empowered and inspired by what you have to say to them. So we are definitely also looking forward to speaking to you as well. And I appreciate everybody that's on the line, checking me in the inbox saying that uh, I sound kind of staticky and what have you. Hey, we working with what we got. Just bear with us. Do I, do I still sound staticky by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I know I'm not supposed to say this in a podcast, but it's, you know, we, 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 we keep it real. It's live radio. It's live podcast. Yeah. You still static. Yeah, you are. Cause he, no, Harry said I didn't sound staticky in the beginning. I just want to make sure this is the perfectionist talking. So when, <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you and I was speaking, um, when I first came on a little early, there was no static, but as soon uh-huh. as I, I think it's cause you, you, I think it's Shanta. It has to be Shanta. I always blame, I blame Shanta for everything. Oh, so you, why are you going to blame it on my kid's sister? You know, I don't bring those types of issues. Oh, different static. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Bang, bang, bang. Shot. Yeah, yeah. That's my girl. No, she um she's she's quality people. So we have that little jabbing relationship that we have, but I love it to death. That's my little sister in therapy, and I'm so mm. proud of the things that mm. she has you know, accomplished thus far and, and it is in process of accomplishing. Thank you. Absolutely. 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 Well, hey, and we're going to allow you all to give out your information towards the end of the podcast. Uh, so that way people can get to, they can write down your information. If they want to reach out to you for more information, we will have that space to allow each individual on the podcast to do that. Uh, so let's get into it. Mental health awareness. I want to start off with you. You know, Harry, we got to let the ladies first. Let the ladies go first. Maya Kai, simple question. First question. What is mental health? It's interesting because the first thing I always tell people is that your mental health is unique to you. 
Um, I never feel that anybody is a carbon copy of anything. So it's always important that you're looking at things from your own perspective and not assuming it's like someone else's. Um, one of the things I always denounce in every podcast is I never believe in saying keeping up with the Joneses or fake it till you make it. I said, fake it till you make it means you're not being true to yourself. You must be present and, and comfortable with where you are. And if you're not, you figure out what you're not comfortable with and you work on it. So the key thing is there's a couple different domains that are housed when you think about mental wellness, so to speak. I say there's a couple relationship dynamics. I mean, you have everything from the relationship with yourself, which is one of the most important relationships that you have. Then you have those more intimate relationships, maybe with family, friends, children, you know, and then you have those relationships with peers, friends, workers, these are all different domains and ecosystems that create your existence. But even within those, then there's that emotional realm, that mental realm, that physical, spiritual, financial realm. These are all things that impact you on different levels that play into your overall mental health. And it's funny because people assume, well, why would you say a financial realm? I'm like, how many people worry about money? How many people worry about their health? Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many things that play into your mental wellness. So it's important to get in touch with what am I struggling with? I said, you know, 2020 was an unofficial evaluation of where you stand with yourself in your life. You didn't ask for it, right. but you got it. Now, the question is, what are you going to do with it? The best meme that was coming up mm -hmm. said, if you thought 2020 was bad, wait till it turns 21 and starts drinking. And guess what? Mm. It turned the bottle up exactly up at midnight and was like, guess what, folks? I'm here. But I, I tried to warn people, and I'm sure every other therapist did, is that 2020 was coming with you into 2021. You knew it because of what we were dealing with, with the pandemic and the social cultural issues and political issues. They weren't going away, but people kind of thought something magical right, right. was going to happen. So I'm never even a big proponent of New Year's resolutions. Work on you 365. That's important. So it's about right, you. Right. And, and it should always be about looking past the idea of surviving and really healthy mental health is about continually thriving. And that's an idea a lot of people have mm -hmm. to get comfortable with. Right. And, and, and I'm willing to share my testimony because I spoke a little bit about it in my podcast previously uh, about what I've been through in 2020. And you brought up 2020 because it just seems like more and more uh, of the things that has happened in 2020. I start hearing about mental health even more and more. And like even before July in mid season, mid year of the pandemic, before July even came. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to experience no mental health issues. I'm not doing that at all. This is still going to be a great year for me because I had so many great things getting ready to happen in 2020 for me. And then a situation um, happened in July, which I get into in just a few moments. Uh, a situation happened to me to where it put me in a dark place for the remaining part of 2020. And so all these things from COVID to social injustice and all the other different things that has happened in 2020, it all came surfacing back to me, especially deaths. We can't forget about deaths, you know, that may not even be COVID related. They could just be because of other issues other health related issues you know me and dj Rowland, we lost signature phrase um which we're coming up on the one year anniversary of her death since last january and i lost my grandmother and i know some people here on the line have lost some family members and friends in the midst of things uh but you just never know that mental health could hit hit so close to home uh and so i want to turn it over to uh, my sister asked Lonnie Hayes, what about you? Because we spoke offline 
previously and for you as Lonnie Hayes, mental health, has it hit close home to you? Has it hit you or someone you know deeply who has felt the effects of mental health? Let's say you. So, yes. But the thing about that is mental health or mental wellness is my and I really like that. I might feel it as said it affects us all. So a lot of people don't consider that our mental, our physical, and our spiritual, emotional, they are all connected. So if you are having a deficit, if you break down in one area, like you break down physically, you're in the hospital, that's going to impact mm. your mental wellness, right? You know, right. I also said finances. People don't consider the relationships they have with money and how that really affects them mentally. And some of us have some habits that we learn way back when, but we hold on to them because that's what we know and we just haven't let go of spending and hoarding and things like that. So financially, we have to look at the whole picture. Yes, I'm a mental health professional, but it is a whole person perspective that we have to look at. And personally, I have a daughter who has lived life experience. Heck, I have lived life experience. I've had um, depressive episodes that I'm not going to lie. That is life. It happens, right? But recognizing where you are, and this is why I endeavor to be mindful every day. I practice a lot of mindfulness. This is a temporary time. This moment will pass. It will not last forever. So do a lot of positive self-talk, a lot of positive affirmation. That's what I try. The energy that I create around me and the energy that I work with, you know, my daughter. So making sure that we're recognizing that this time is this time right here. This this is it. But there's something coming afterward. But we're not looking at what came because we have tools. We've learned tools. Hopefully we use those tools because that's the thing. We can teach tools all day long. If they use tools, that's another thing. So being accepting of the resources that you have and using them in the present moment. So we all have mental health issues. All of us, every last one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to impact everybody. Recognizing right. them right. and then doing something about them. That's a whole nother thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Harry-, uh, Harry Scott Gordon is on the live line with us. And, and Harry... Uh, in your line of work, in your profession, uh, you come across clients, you come across people every day that you talk to. And, you know, just from the standpoint of you working in the counseling field, uh, how has it what 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 has it done to you mentally working in the profession, knowing that you are spending time talking to people who have experience a form of mental health what does it do to you mentally as a counselor well that's a great question and thanks for asking um i'm i think i'm built different because to me it's an honor when someone comes and asks me for help or ask me for my opinion or ask me for things like that that actually rejuvenate and invigorates me because i love to help I'm an empath by nature, meaning I feel other people's pain and things of that nature. So them coming to me in in the wave that they're coming to me in is is an honor to me, first and foremost. Um, 
me personally, it absolutely uplifts me because if I can make uh, a young gentleman or a young lady or a couple, if I can give them the tools, as Shanta was talking about, to be able to navigate this, you know, this tumultuous times, and that's what we have to do. We have to give them the coping mechanisms because, again, life is going to happen. It happens 365 days, you know, a year, seven days a week, and it's going to happen. So often, I don't change the 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 the, the, the their. I don't change the situation, but I change their perspective on how they address and look at the situation, right? I always give a, a um, comparison, an analogy of an old vaudeville. Uh, I'm sure I'm the oldest on, on the call anyway, but when back in the day, like on the Flip Wilson and Carol Burnett show, remember when they had like that horse and the horse would be the front half and the back half of a person put together, right? So if you're in the back mm -hmm. half of that horse, you're in the same location, right? But what's your perspective? Right, right. You're looking at somebody's behind all day, right? If you just change your mm -hmm. view, your vantage point, your perspective, now you're in the front of that horse, right? It's a whole different right. perspective, right. a whole different outlook. So oftentimes we can't change our situation, but we can change how we look at it, how we feel about it, how we address mm -hmm. it, and we move on. Um, the type of therapy that I espouses uh, rational emotive behavior therapy, right? We, we okay. think okay. rational, we feel emotive, and we do behavior. Mm -hmm. I feel if we change the way we think, the way we look at things from a non-dogmatic standpoint to a more rational standpoint, then we can change how we feel inside. And then when we change how we feel inside, we can change how we handle things. So yeah. for me, yeah. Yeah. to answer your question, it's a blessing. It's, it's, it's a gift. It's like not everybody can do this. Not, excuse me, everybody can listen to people's issues all day and come out refreshed. And there are some times that I'm not that refreshed, but I have to give that energy back. Can and, and I saw Maya Kai shaking her head. I mean, please add on to what uh, Mr. Harry just said uh, as it pertains to um uh, my point because you you also work in the profession of health and wellness and uh coming across people who have experienced some form of trauma or mental health please add on to uh what harry just stated miss maya kai you know, I always believe getting to the root of your emotion is so important behind just the thought. Um, you know, if you're some people are CBT, which I'm not opposed or DVT, but I'm like that emotional piece, emotion drivers. And I'm like you, I am so empathic. I can barely see a squirrel get hit by a car and not feel it. I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I'm just I have a life force like that. <laughs> I'm very connected to people that right, way. Right. So when you said that, I was like, absolutely. And I think those of us that are really grounded in our profession, there is that strong sense of empathy. But when you talked about your perspective. I did a podcast recently about perception and perspective and understanding what you think might be happening may not be, but you can always change that if you open your mind. And you're right. That's part of what we do. One of the things I say within my role as a crisis worker, and it's crazy because sometimes I think people just come back to the EBR just to have therapy, which is interesting. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is not really what I'm here for, but since you're here, but it's interesting because I constantly have that conversation with people about understanding that you are the architect of your present and your future. You maybe can't go back and change the past, but learn something from it because everything that has happened to you is meant to have you learn. Even if you make mistakes, you should learn something, evaluate. You know, one of my things I talked about in my last podcast was you can't spell challenge without change. I said, but what does that LLE look for? What does that mean? It means look, listen, and evaluate. 
and then you engage something new. And it's teaching people to think that you don't have to always feel like you have to accept things, but that comes from having true ownership of your own emotion and loving yourself enough to know it's okay to do things just for you. And a lot of people feel really guilty with saying no to somebody else, but they'll say no to them in a heartbeat and yeah. sacrifice themselves for other people's happiness. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to be, I'm like you, I always say to people, I'm merely a tool to help you to achieve what you're looking for. You're going to do all the heavy lifting, but I got your back. I tell people that all the time. That's good. Yeah. 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 And I think it's it's very vital in today's society to have each other's back in these times of crisis and these times of need. So, I mean, we all that we got right now, you know, Uh, so I think it's very vital that we have that community of people to uplift each other and to empower each other. Uh, but it's just so many layers we definitely want to get into. And uh, DJ Rollum, if you're still there, but we want to have you jump in and ask our guests some questions. For those who are just tuning in to the Beat Break Morning Show, we have special guests S. Lonnie Hayes, as well as Maya Kai and Harry Scott Gordon. We are talking about all things considered mental health, mental health awareness. It's not just only one month. There is one month out of the year that we recognize mental health awareness but it should be a 365 days per year type of conversation awareness discussion not just only one month uh dj Rollum, did you have anything to say i was listening and everything and y'all gave uh, very informative information and i like uh way uh miss maya said uh without uh, doing a challenge you got to do a change i really love that and um that's that's the thing we do daily is 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 to not only recognize by what was presented in front of us, but how do we, um, I would say, adhere to what needs to be done with this mental um, awareness. Um, it's what I because I'm in the medical field too, and I've been in the medical field for the last uh, seven eight years. And what I did find out is that, um, to my knowledge, since you've been a little bit longer than me, they Finally, um, health insurance um, companies are finally putting that as part of their plan to have um, mental health in the plan. Um, Normally, that wasn't even in the plan. That was like, you had to pay extra just because that's not part of the plan. And now it's finally part of the plan with that, um, because when you if you um, y'all have ever called your insurance company, some depending on what question y'all have, do you ask for either for mental or for um, um, for me, uh, for medical or for behavior? That's what they usually say, mm-hmm. and and I'm glad that is part of that because we're is it's that time that is is unreal. It's it's sad, but it's we get into this time that you have to make sure that you adhere to what people's actions are, not because of their actual um medical situation you got to deal with their actions because the actions are going to deal with the mind so so now we're at that point so i'd like to have my question to maya um what would you suggest to someone that um that has any problems do you just like maybe they'll shake it off or do you what were suggestions would you make to see if that might be a mental least early development of it what, what, what suggestions would you put out you know one of the things is really dispelling the stigma 
um, everybody has said everybody experiences depression or right. had some kind of mental health issue at some point in their life. So the first thing is what you're looking for, what we do as providers is we look for obviously symptoms and signs, but it's really about frequency. So if you're constantly feeling sad or fatigued or crying spells, um, adedonia, where you just don't have an interest in thing, if it's something that's been going on for a long time, now we will say, you know, honestly, two weeks, a month, we kind of put parameters for diagnosis purposes. But if you're finding you're, you're in that same, we might say funk, or you're feeling stuck emotionally and mentally, it's worth doing a checkup with someone. And one of the things I, I caution people on, especially within my special respective cultural groups, because I'm black and Latino, I said, we like to think we normalize depression. We normalize stress. We assume that our lives are meant to be that way. And that's part of breaking the cycle. It's like, no, you shouldn't live that way. So breaking that cycle and getting people to come out of that darkness, like, wait a minute, I'm, I am not really, I'm, I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. So if you find that you, you have a lot of the symptoms and, you know, there's the internet there for some research. I'm not saying it's the answer, but there's a lot of inventories and small things you could do. But I think you should know yourself well enough. You're like, I've been struggling to get out of bed like for the last three weeks. My appetite has totally changed. Now, I would tell you, can you identify a situation that has caused the shift or change in how you're feeling? Or has this been an ongoing situation for you? But either way, it never hurts to reach out and talk to someone. And one of the best kind of tools that are out there that I really tell people, especially if you have health insurance, most companies have employee assistance programs, EAPs, right. where you can yeah. reach out. I mean, they have everything from like financial coaching, health, mental health, you know, all those kind of things. You often can have like a couple like small kind of counseling sessions. Some may offer up maybe four to five, it depends, to kind of help do a screening with you. And if it turns out, you know what, I think this would be a good idea for you to go to the next level you can do it, but it's a really great intro piece, especially if you're not sure if you're having a, a bigger issue. But pay attention to what's changed in your life and if you can identify why. All right, good. I, Would you guys what, add something more to that? I mean, kind of in your thoughts? I, I, I um, can piggyback on that. Um, it's basically, it's knowing the behavior and in a bad sense, just knowing that particular person or within yourself. Um, some people just hopefully they um, know themselves well enough, like, should I or shouldn't I? That's number one. Number two, hopefully I have a nice uh, family around that doesn't, that includes friends that knows my actions and, and well-beings and stuff on what I do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So if they see a trend of something going on, either my the, the person themselves or the people around them should like, hey, this going on a little too long so have a little talk and everything at least you got the flags there to say it's been going on too long now if you have like a flag uh once every blue moon that's just probably that person's personality that's what i think and then you just gotta be careful of hopefully it's not going to be trending down to something else that might be even though it might be small might turn into a real big thing there's you just gotta keep your eyes open and just hope you have a good people around that's my suggestion with that so let's start with the youth everything starts with the youth everything starts with kids because you even hear about mental health problems from kids and i'm putting i'm pulling some data here on my end and according to mental health america uh 9.7 percent of youth let me say that one more time 9.7% of youth in the U.S. have severe major 
depression compared to 9.2% in last year's data set. Uh, and this is a very alarming rate, a very alarming percentage of youth facing depression. Uh, it could be experiences that they have came across in their household or at school when you are dealing with you know, bullying in school, the peer pressures, we can go on and on and on. Um, but Harry, like why the youth, like why, why the youth are experiencing this? We all thought that it was more of an adult thing, but it has, you know, come down to the youth. Why the numbers so high with the youth? Let's say you, Harry. First and foremost, that the youth don't have a platform, right? You know, we as adults don't really, well, we should, I can't make a blanket statement, but oftentimes adults don't listen to their youth. They don't listen to their children. Oh, I'm feeling sad or you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And another thing is that youth present differently in depression, right? Most of the time when we see adults and adolescents more so in depression, it's a little sadness, a little funk, maybe a retreat. Youth can use a, sometimes they, they, they act aggressively, they fight. They, those are things that, you know, we don't think is manifestations of depression, but they are. So we have to understand and just listen to them. Right? A lot of times we just don't have the resources. Um, the job before I opened up my private practice, I did core services. And core services are basically like everybody understand wraparound services. So I would go into the schools and give added mental health um, resources to children who were acting up because there's a difference between special education and mental health, right? And they try to lump it all together in one tight ball, but it's not, right? So often children who are, who are receiving or eligible for special education services do not, they don't necessarily are going through mental health disorders, but they can. But the other side of the coin is there's children who are going through mental health disorders, but because they don't qualify for special education benefits and resources, they don't get the proper help that they need. So mm -hmm. from to answer your question, which is a great question, I think it's we have to be more aware of what it looks like in our youth because it doesn't it doesn't present the same symptomology as with adults, right? And oftentimes depression, you know, adult disorders are usually put off to the side and say, well, you can't experience that until you're at a certain age, right? So you right. look at all these right. characteristics of an adult, but we, you know, we might do DMDD with children um, and other type of things, but we don't look at like, you know, then we get the, the parents, well, what do you have to, to be depressed about. You don't have a job. You don't have bills. So we try to trivialize what children go through, what our youth go through, and we can't do that. That's the biggest mistake because they feel just as much as we. Yeah, but it's a bit. Yeah, but it's a Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yes, children are just small adults. That's the thing, and adults have these problems. So, and children are picking up on that energy. So when you're having a financial crisis, your lights go out, you ain't got no water, you're about to be evicted, but you're not communicating with that child. These things are going on. So you're not giving them any tools. Then we see behaviors and what's, what's going on. And again, 
those behaviors, that anger, the fighting, those things can be symptomatic, not just of DMDD or um, IED, but depression. And we don't look at it as depression, but it, they're, they don't have the tools. They don't have the, the vocabulary. I talk about that all the time. A lot of parents don't give their children the vocabulary to express themselves. Like, how are you feeling? What is the emotion word that goes with it? So they are small people living adult problems because they're still in these microcosms, you know, of their family or their school or whatever's going on, but they don't have the tools to communicate it or to effectively alleviate their, their suffering, you know, because generally it's some kind of frustration, some suffering. So if you don't give them the tools, you don't give them the vocabulary, then you're going to see some behaviors. But what I was going to say was that we were all kids. And I know you can attest to this SL Lonnie, but because as a kid, I was a happy kid, but it was certain situations where it made me very depressed. And I didn't know what mental health looks like. I mean, unless you came up to me at age 12 or age 14 or age 16 and you tell me, hey, you might be experiencing some form of mental health because of how you are feeling this way. You know, and, and I think um, as we gradually grow and we understand and, and realize what mental health is, it's kind of like, wow, I, I didn't know I was feeling this way at a certain age in my life, you know, because, you know, being a youth kind of piggyback on what Harry said, being a youth, you're not worrying about bills and uh, responsibilities. Like this is supposed to be the time of your life where you enjoying childhood, but seeing the numbers increase over the years and uh, you know, with youth experiencing depression and anxiety in all forms is, is a very sad state of affairs. Uh, you know, do you think that it needs to like, what else can we do as adults? Because we all adults here. What, what more can we do to reach out to the youth and to try to help them? Cause this is one thing to say that, Oh, the youth, um, they're not, the way that we were back in the day, we, we tend to look down at the youth at times saying that they were doing all this crazy stuff on social media and on the gram and stuff like that. But we don't know the backstory of what they have been through or what they went through. So what, what more can we do as adults? Cause we, we were young. We, we got into some stuff that we wasn't supposed to be doing, or we've been through these situations. So what, what more can we do as adults? Uh, May I go first? So first no, go, go for it. Recognize that we just didn't get caught. There were no cell phones. There were no, you know, there was no Instagram. Because absolutely people did things back in the day. There just is no proof of it these days. Okay. So that's one. But again, let's not say that kids don't have bills and kids don't have, you know, problems because depending on your home life, you may be a provider at 14, 15, 16 years old. And again, to get back to the very root of it though, Maya said the word early on, stigma. We still don't talk about it, right? We don't talk about it enough, I should say. We don't normalize it. We don't make it okay because you still hear people telling 
kids, why are you crying about that? Because I feel some kind of way, you know, it, but you're not processing, you're not exploring with them why they feel that way. So we have to remove the stigma of feeling because essentially that's what it is. Feeling and showing emotion is stigmatized in our society. To be Can quite. I jump in? One of the things, the, the, the statement, well, the mission of my private practice, the safe space, is to eradicate the stigma, the stigma of mental health in our community, generally, but specifically for the African-American community, but even in particularly for African-American males. Let's just think about this, because I'm going to, I'm going to take you through a journey that, that is 90% of my practice and my clientele is men. Because what we are taught as young boys is this, right? Don't cry, don't show any emotion. You have to be emotionally numb. Because if you come in here with all that crying, if you come in here with all those feelings of emotion, you know, in some particular places, it can be life-threatening. Because if you grew up in a rough area and things like that, expressing, excuse me, emotional emotions, which is showing vulnerability right which is showing your vulnerability to be able to feel to, to be able to express that so we as men in general as african-american men in particular are taught from a young age to be tough mm -hmm. what our challenge is now is how can we become vulnerable and this is how it manifests at least 10 times a week i get a call from a wife can you help me get my husband into therapy because he can't communicate. He can't show me emotions. He can't do any of these things. And I say, absolutely. Because I understand that when we're, when we're, when we grow up, right. And we're told not to show any weakness, to do all of these, to be hard to, you know, you can't real men don't cry and all of those things. So then we become, emotionally numb. Then we get into marriages and relationships, right? And the woman asks us, tell me how you feel. I'm good. Men will, I'm good themselves into depression, into high blood pressure, into all of these ailments because we don't have the words, right? And I'm not saying that women don't feel the same thing, but they are not taught as you, young girls can cry, right? It's okay. Daddy will come and pick you up. It's all right, baby. It's, let me. And I've made that mistake as a father. But if my son has the same fall of saying, man, if you don't get yourself up, man, stop all of that and dust yourself off. Why? He feels the same way. Then we become these hardened men. Because the only acceptable, I'll let the ladies chime in. What is the only acceptable emotion that males can show what is it? rage anger we, we 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 can be mad all day long but dj roller can you go to the uh outside you know you're in a cigar bar with your boys and you you, you know got some brown liquor maybe some cigars going right and you sit there and say you know man i'm feeling a little lonely right now hey what do you right. mean lonely, bro? You better you man, get another drink. You need another shot. What's wrong with you? What is this? And this is and this is what we are perpetuating as a society. Mm, mm, I, I like it. I like it. I like it because 
I can relate to that. I will say, and I'm not admit to say this, that I was a crier. Um, I was a crier, not saying that I cried all the time, but it was just certain situations where I cried, but I would hide my cry from other people because I didn't want to feel less of a man if I cried in front of them, you know, and I felt that crying was a way for me just to let it all out with whatever I was going through at the time. Just even my most recent situation that put me in the state of mental health, there were instances where I cried by myself twice. Uh, not one time, but two times over this person that I devoted so much time and energy into this person. Um, and it, it, it was just, I was just like, wow, like why? At first I asked myself, why am I crying? Like why I'm not holding back tears? I'm, I'm crying over this person or I'm crying over the death of this person, you know, when I supposed to be strong and, and to your uh, assessment, Harry, like we just live in a society where we have been conditioned and socially engineered to be masculine all the time. We're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to uh, talk about our feelings and, and, and what have you, you know, and I think is it can be healthy. It can be healthy at times to really let everything out because it shows your vulnerability. It shows your true real self. And it, it, it also is a way it's pretty much almost like a cry for help. Like, Hey, you know, I need, I need some help right now. You know, kind of like what Maya said a few moments ago, we all have to come together and have each other's back in certain situations. But I, I, feel like you said something that was very interesting and and also a part two and I want to get your assessment on this as well before I turn it back over to Maya and SL Lonnie like even in the days of the Jim Crow the days of Jim Crow coming out of slavery and having to go through so much stuff as a black man in America right I heard someone say that the biggest part of mental health is a black man in America because of all the stuff we go through especially with black women as well, you know, and, and black women go through stuff as well too. But there was once upon a time where uh, a friend of mine said to me that the black man's home was the home was the castle. He came home and he felt like not just only a man, but a real actual black man because of all the stuff that he went through, through racism and, you know, maybe not able to get that job that he wanted or may not be able to be where he's at because of his status, because of, you know, him being a person of color. So what I mean to you, you know, because obviously your grandparents been through that, your your grandfather been through that, your great grandfather been through that. Is, does it still apply to this very day in today's society of all the stuff that we've been through as black men and how it deal and how it pertains to mental health when we talk about racism and classism and, and things of that sort and we'll definitely get into the black women as well too harry let's say you absolutely absolutely um barack obama talked about toxic masculinity right and that's that's what we come from um and dr joyce degrew's great book um post-traumatic slave syndrome 
you have to understand that the black man is the most misunderstood, the most, um, I, I, I can't even have the terminology to, to see. We, we, we are, we experience the most traumatic experiences, but we are the least to seek out mental health, right? So, and that's because mm -hmm. of that toxic mis, um, masculinity. Be a man, you know, we don't share our, you know, our thoughts. And it, it comes from a lot of different places. Just like we are um, very leery now about vaccinations, right? It's not like we just woke up one day and said, you know what, that's not good for us. No, we have empirical data with, you know, the syphilis experiments at Tuskegee, why? But the same stigma came from mental health because if you were considered mental health or crazy, they're going to admit you into somewhere. So that's where a lot of the stigma that we have. And then we have a stigma because oftentimes when you are seeking mental health, you want to see somebody who relates, who understands who you are. And unfortunately, African-American men don't see that. You know what I'm saying? In our profession, there are very few African-American therapists, you know, where they can sit down and relate. Like I, I, I tell when I'm talking to couples in in my couples therapy, I say, I understand the woman's position, but I relate to the man. I know what I experienced, what he has gone through as a man in America, which is different from any other type of facet in, our, in the world society is a black man in America. So to answer your question, yes, what we experience every day affects us. We normalize, like we were talking about, we normalize death, right? Uh, one of my greatest scenes that I love and I, and I talk about how we normalize just trauma is from a boys in, in the hood, right? So the first couple of scenes when they're young boys and little Chris says, you want to see something? And they're like, what? I ain't going to tell you, shoot. So they go on there and they go on the train tracks and what they look at, they see a dead body. And it's like, that's what we do. But, you know, that's normalized. Uh, dad's not in the house. Uh, it's normalized. You know, uh, teen pregnancy, uh, it's normalized. It's what we do. So the traumatic experiences that we that are in our community have been normalized. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Mm. OK. Maya, let's go over to you. Maya. Let's go over to you, um, because I definitely want to get into the conversation with both you and Eslani about uh, mental health towards black women. But what 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 did you want to add on to what Harry just talked about? Yeah, this could be a whole nother podcast within itself. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you <laughs> this this river this river runs really really deep, and mm -hmm. it is something that respectfully in the black community, though our roots are in slavery, we're much richer than that. But so much of our learned social behaviors do come from that. Even how we discipline children um, for the longest time was, was literally emulated from when you were beat into submission by your slave owner, that concept was you would beat your children into submission, fear and respect. So there's so many things that have you know, or originated from that even. And it's interesting because one of the things that I think is so important and it never, I get really, just, just, it bothers me when I hear people 
really work hard to separate black men and black women in regards to relationships. Like there's always this need to think you have to elevate one over the over when I think if you really know about our experiences, they're really equally yoked and it was never easy. Um, rather it was, and it's sad because even the essence of the black family comes down to during Jim Crow, vagrant laws, pretty much most black men were locked up because they couldn't find a job. Well, why couldn't they find a job? Because they were black men, but then they became free labor to companies like Pepsi, like Coca-Cola and so on and so forth. So there's, and then what happened? Black women had to step in and they had to take care of their families. Um, often they were able to find work before black men could. And then you get that label of, oh, you're independent, you're emasculating. Um, you know, the angry black woman. There are so many things that originate from this that aren't healthy. And what I always find is I think that people work really hard to make black women and black men bump heads because if we don't work together, we're less likely as a community to be as successful as we should be. So I always think people are constantly trying to keep us like it's a boxing ring, like who's achieving more? Who's doing more? Who's more important? Whose strife is bigger? There's issues altogether. I can't tell you in the last year how many black men I've sat down in the scope of my job as in the ER that literally have broke down crying. They probably wouldn't have done it in front of anybody else, but they felt comfortable enough. And you know what was interesting? A lot of these men had backgrounds. They came from, unfortunately, broken homes, incarceration. One guy said to me, I've been incarcerated so much in my life, and I'm now in a relationship, and I'm not even sure how to function. So when you just talked about that, I was like, makes sense to me. I mean, and this was just someone sitting in the ER talking to me. So it's so true that men are taught to be strong, to not be vulnerable because, you know, not to show feelings, that's a sign of weakness. And then women are showed to do the opposite. But then black women on the flip side, we don't get to be too weak. So hence, then we're looked at as being angry. But what's funny is you can take that same type mm -hmm. of attitude from a person who stands up and wants to make sure that things are taken care of and you put a spin on it culturally. So as Latinas, we're fiery, you know, we're not angry, we're fiery. You know, if you're Asian, it's, oh, you're, you're stepping out or, or you're white, you're stepping out and you're speaking up for yourselves. It's interesting how it's a spin put on everything based on your racial, you know, your racial cultural orientation. And it's so interesting because so often we then, and I said, be careful what you internalize. Because then someone took the independent woman thing and took it way too far. I was like, look, seriously, it's okay to be self-sufficient. But when you start telling, and I'll, don't get me wrong when I say, no, you don't need a man. But be careful what you're putting in that rhetoric. Be careful what you're saying. Absolutely. Because it gets it gets dangerous. And then you start buying into other things that people have sold you. And then you wonder why this is sad that so many black women are extremely successful, but single. Think about the image that's put out there for you. Now, I'll tell you, it's it's and it's it's complicated. It's we have such complicated relationships, but I don't think they get fixed until we really talk about how complicated they really are. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Ooh, uh, I've been you know, I've been thinking about that for days, DJ Roland. Like I see so many. Listen, listen. We 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 having a come to Jesus conversation now because <laughs> because I see so many people, especially women, on social media. Is is a lot of beautiful, attractive women that I come across on social media. But I'd be wondering, like, what is their story? Because they tend to post stuff like, "Oh, I got this. I got that." I got all these things like Maya said, I don't need a man They in that mindset and whatever. Like, OK, that's cool. But what got them to that place of thinking like that? Like what type of uh, form of mental health or, or what type of trauma that did they go through once upon a time? And I want um, Lonnie Hayes to speak on it because this is such a very um, touchy part of the conversation as we 
talk about uh, women, especially African-American women in our community. Uh, you know, we see all the time and there's this thing, there's this rich empowerment of women that are doing great things. We are very supportive of black girl magic. But at the same time, we, there's layers that you peel off to see what their actual story, actual story is behind the scenes and what they go through. My cousin said to me the other day, like, it's so many fake people on social media. You know, they got fake booties. They got fake breasts. They're doing all this fake stuff. But they are the ones that are hurting out there, you know. So, as Lonnie Hayes, let's say you, like, what is the deal with that, with our women, with our queens, with our sisters that, like, uh, Maya just mentioned it. They independent. They have to uh, put this persona that they've made it, which we congratulate them. But why do you think it's hard for them to uh, show those layers of their vulnerability in some form or fashion? So, like, this is again is very layered, right? Quite multifaceted. Um, and this goes back, this is a generational thing as well, right? Mm -hmm. But let's let's look at communication. Scott said, you know, he has clients. You ask them how they're doing. They say, good. That starts when they're children. So boys, I, I, I see youth, children and families, and, and I'll say, how are you doing today? And good. So we're going to have to stop that conversation. We're going to start all over again because I need an emotion word. Because if we just let them say good or mm. okay, that's all they're going to say is good or okay. And that goes to that married man who his wife is asking him how he's doing and it's good, okay. And it's like, there's something else. I know there's something else. You don't have to be an empath to recognize something's going on with somebody. And you want them to, to process it and go deeper and explore with you. And they're not capable, right? So we have that whole communication front. That's one issue. Then we go over to the other side. And Maya mentioned it's become, it seems like they're trying to pit us against one another. It's a competition. We're in this boxing match. Black women have more degrees. Black women are starting businesses at a higher rate than black men. It's like, hold up, this is not a competition because in my dream world, teamwork makes dream work. So if we work together, we can get this paper and we're going to be all right. And yes, I said paper as a professional woman. I did. We got goals. But also, I can't have you as a man look at me and tell me I'm intimidating and all you did was no where I went to school or what I do for work. You haven't talked to me. We haven't, we haven't explored anything. Communication, we're failing to communicate on a basic level. So that makes it really hard to establish a relationship, mm. especially an honest one. Mm. If you're not willing to be vulnerable, because vulnerable means, you know, open to emotional attack. You are opening yourself up. But in a relationship, you have to trust that your partner or this person that you're getting to know is not going to attack you when you show your emotions. However, based on past relationships, because everybody's bringing some baggage, everybody's bringing some baggage. Mm, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> But 
if you're not willing to unpack those bags in a healthy way, mm-hmm. that's definitely going to affect the way you have relationships with people. And if all you're saying is okay and good, you ain't, um, um excuse me, I was about to, you're not unpacking <laughs> very much at all. Like I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, go gay. Say what you feel. <laughs> but, but no, it's, there's, there are layers. It's generational. It's, I'm not even gonna lie. Some of it is classist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. I mean, it's like the experience is, like you said, it's multi-layered, especially as women. Mm-hmm. We have cultural standards. Um, when you talked about what you see about women on social media um, mm-hmm. with, you know, and the thing is, do you? I don't judge a person if you decide you want to have weave down to your ass and, you know, eyelashes that you can slap the person who's like less than two, six feet across from you. I, there's a ridiculousness to it that blows my mind. I'm sorry. Um, that's you. If that really makes you happy, so be it. But just know the origins of things like black girl magic comes from trying to embrace our inner beauty that so often has been rejected by the status quo. So that really comes about to say black is beautiful. Um, yes, my, you know, kinky hair, my, you know, my lips, my all this is good and it's okay. Um, it's only good when somebody else can make money off of it. But when it's just you, it's an issue. And that's really where the whole, it's, it was meant to be more of an empowerment thing, so to speak, with black girl magic. But I know that, I mean, and, and so much goes back to slavery. Like, you know, we have not really released those mental shackles. It's, 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 a, it's a process that you have to be, like you said, mindfulness. You're always discovering things about yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you can be comfortable, think about people who had to fight to wear natural hair at work. Ooh, no. Think about that. <laughs> I mean, these are things that we like, well, I'm sorry, this is what I got. So what's the problem? The problem so, is that's still a thing, though. So oh we are... Why are we still passing laws? Why are we, excuse me, not still, why are we just now passing laws? But why the hell does it have to be law in the first place? Because this is the way it grows out. That's it. You got to keep the law. The laws were never meant for us. Oh, I know. This country was not, you know, meant for us. If you want to keep it a buck, the laws were never (laughs) meant for us. None of it was. Let's be real. So So, that's a, and you know what, Scott, you nailed it. So imagine even though we are removed less, like a little bit over 50 years from this, you know, from the civil rights, if you think about it, mm-hmm. or from, you know, if you think about that, we, we really hadn't taken the strides that we believed we have, and it really got re-exposed, which I think was a good thing. It's ugly, oh, yeah. but it's good. And I'm like, I had to look at people and said, you just don't understand, like, sometimes I just want to call into work and say, I need a mental health day just for being black. Because you know what? what? People have really gotten on my nerves, and I need a break. I need a break yeah. today because being black, I'm going to tell you, I said all the time, being black, and this sounds, and I would never change it. But sometimes it's, you're like, I'm just tired. I just want to be. But think about it. You're constantly under, right, but, but we're constantly under some form of duress. But like everybody has said here so far, we have normalized our stress. Yes. We've learned ways to adapt that we need to stop adapting and putting that for the people who have children. I don't. Stop teaching your children to adapt to things that are not healthy and how to make adjustments that are good for them, right. not to accommodate other people. Because remember, the question about kids I think is important is their emotional intelligence isn't there. They're learning it. Mm-hmm. So hence, and think about what kids, and Scott, I don't know if you have me because I'm 48. So I don't know if you're, the, if you're really the... I, I got you. You still got me? Yeah. Are, you, are you sure about this? Okay. Ready? I'm saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maya is lying. She is not 48. That is not old. You got me. I was like, wait a minute, because you look about 48. So, okay. okay. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, who's young in this room? I'm 48. Sean. Sean. Oh. <laughs> 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 
fuck, you're a day over like 32. Appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> no, you know what they Please say, don't black, tell her that. Please you know don't tell her that. Black don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> Go, you're seeing all that blackness right there. How, you know, it, it goes, it don't crack. But it's interesting because with kids, their emotional intelligence is probably no different than when we were kids, but look at what they're bombarded with. Kids are over-sexualized. Yep. When I see stuff on TV, I'm like, oh my God. Some stuff that kids think is normal blows my mind because I think it's too much. They see violence readily, like how it's portrayed. Mm -hmm. Social media makes them believe. I'm like, you got to work with your kids. Let them know that that's not reality, what you're seeing. Most people are living a lie. Grand Theft Auto? How does I mean, normalize but, but, but look, but look yeah. how we overstimulate them from day one. And we wonder why they have these type of issues. We're overstimulating them without any type of balance whatsoever. Mm. And if right. a parent is trying to be their mm. friend, that's not your job right now. No. Well, yes, um, that shouldn't be your job in the first place, being well, being a friend to, well, to your son or to your daughter. You need was, to still be the parent. You know, you got to understand where they're coming from. But nah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't do no friendship. I don't know how some parents could be friends and like just hanging out and drinking. Nah, nah, nah. There's got to be not a Not even, limit. no, not even just hanging out. I'm just talking about you have some parents who are allowing like, I had a parent had to say to me, well, me and my 14 year old who pretty much had made, had a suicide attempt. It was, mm -hmm. it was nothing. She was, in, she was not going to die from it. It was more of a cry for attention. So she says, well, we've talked about this and she's decided that she really doesn't want to do inpatient. And before I knew it, I said, it's not really for her to decide because she's a 14 year old girl and given her actions, it's not healthy. And I'm trying to figure out why you think that's appropriate. I was like, oops. And she looked <laughs> at me, I said, she said, I'm like, she's 14. And do you realize what she did? I said, as a parent, you must understand there's something going on with her. And she looked at me and she goes, you know, I guess you're right. I was like, oh, Jesus. Uh, my, and that's part of the, the you know, but, that's, I mean, for everyone who works with, you know, families, and I do this all the time, just in the scope of, I see all kinds of people in my job. But what it really comes down to, it's just parenting is, phones are great, but I know my parents always knew where I wasn't, there was no phone. And there wasn't me calling saying, I'm not going to be home at that time. Mm -hmm. If I was supposed to be home at eight o'clock, guess where Maya was at eight o'clock? Mm -hmm. Actually, guess where Maya was at probably about 7.30, truth be told. Right. It's just, there's this idea of, we want to, we want to give kids more freedom of choice, but it, that comes with learning over time. And a lot of kids are just being kind of parenting themselves, if you want to know the truth. That's, so earlier I did say yeah, that, they're, they're, you know, young people in adult bodies, small bodies. But see, it's the cognitive part mm -hmm. that they don't get, right? Yes, they're little people, mm -hmm. but their brain is not fully formed. Their, you know, um, processing is not there. We, it's a computer, right? It's not the old school where we got to put the floppy drive in, but we still have to input information into them. You know, morals, norms, societal norms, and morals and not being your friend because I'm going to discipline, not necessarily the way back on the plantation, but giving you your words. I've always been a, a word giver. I wasn't big on corporal punishment with my own children. I gave them words. I'm dealing with some little savages now, but I'll take it, right? They've never been disrespectful to me, but they can use their words to articulate how they're feeling. So we can have a discussion. I ain't your friend. They know that. You're going to respect me, but I'm also going to respect you. Because how are they supposed to learn how to respect people if they don't see it modeled for them? So we've there's been a failure to model in our society, not just our culture, our society. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I agree with that. It's not just unique to Black people. Especially because someone yeah, asked that teaching racism yeah, is, is a form of neglect. That is 
effectively a failure to model human decency. So you are creating the next little Stalin or Dylan or whatever. But we have to be very honest about the way we approach things and sometimes the way we approach things. And I think Scott mentioned slavery, and but even in mental health. Hmm. How many books do you see or the theories of mental health and, you know, how we function were written or even influenced by people of color? So let's be real. So when we talk about wanting to see people that look like us, they want to see and hear people that can relate to them on multiple levels, not just clinically. We have to be able to expand our practice to show functionality, not just within the context of this is how your brain works, but this is how I recognize your culture. Let's work with your culture. Cultural competence is a thing and it is lacking. I want to go ahead. No, I want to add something real quick and and we're going to go over to Diamond. I think she's going to tap in in just a few moments, but I want to add something real quick to what both you and Maya just said uh, as far as going back to the youth. Uh, So all of us on here remember Columbine, 1998, Columbine. There were no talks, no conversations, no dialogue about mental health. We literally blamed it on Marilyn Manson, R-rated movies, and video games. And looking back at it in hindsight, We've learned over time that those two young men that walked into that Columbine High School building that day and shot up all those folks there where many have died. We we didn't have that conversation about mental health. And looking back at it in hindsight, it was like these two these two guys, these two guys that did it or allegedly did it. It was like they went through a form of hell having to go to school and being bullied and not having that, probably not having that kind of household where like Maya or or like you said, you know, you talk to your children and they say, Oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. But in their bedroom, they got all questionable things inside their bedroom or questionable things on their computer. And we don't have those conversations fast forward to now I kind of somewhat I don't want to compare Columbine to what happened recently in the past few days when those folks went into the Capitol. But it was like I kind of saw that all over again in 2021. So, you know, can we also is it fair to say that people that take the radical route of, of going into a building, whether it's a school building? or the Capitol, and we've seen all those events that took place, is it also fair to say that these people, whether they are voiceless or not, is it fair to say they too have mental health in some form or fashion? Put the the rioters in the same boat Mm -hmm. as children with social-emotional disturbances, right? What I am going to say is they were riled up by racist rhetoric. They're privilege, their entitlement, 
when he said it was stolen from us, you ain't steal nothing from nobody. That election was fair and about to be certified. And they were people that were disgruntled that they weren't going to get what they wanted. So they were going to take it by any means necessary and not in the way that Malcolm X meant. You know, I'm, I'm with you on that because sometimes too often we want to label things as mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be careful with that. I'm not saying maybe somebody within that group didn't have an issue. I'm not saying they didn't. But the way they chose to act, I would tell you to align it more with this, because historically this pattern has existed before, but people think it just can't happen. This is exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. Yes. Hitler, Hitler gave the German, he took an entire nation and convinced them. Mm-hmm. By the way, he was not blonde hair, blue eyes. He mm-hmm. wanted to create the special race people that he did not fit into, and he was also half Jewish. Yes. He could, and they bought into his rhetoric. He was very powerful. He was polarizing. And they convin- he convinced a nation of people to extinguish thousands of people because he felt that they were better than them it was a rhetoric of hate of entitlement this is your country so i would liken it more to by the way you see this in cults like jim jones so it's but here's the thing you have to ask yourself when you can talk someone into this type of this action you have to question where their mental resolve is there is no compassion there is no empathy. Some of those key skills you would expect for someone to have to know better, because let's be honest, all Trump supporters are not that that crazy. Let's be honest. Some of them were appalled, like what just happened? And yet there's a section of it that aligns themselves with neo-Nazi rhetoric and things of that nature. So we have to be careful to, to give them this special caveat that this is mental health. No, this is just blatant entitlement and racism. And well, maybe Maya, they- Maya, I'll-, I'll- I do agree with you wholeheartedly, but the mental health issue came from the top. Their leader, Donald oh, Trump. Absolutely. Oh, well, oh, so absolutely. When a narcissist yes. comes in and his rhetoric because he cannot see the world rationally. Exactly. So now they're they're going to feed this in because what they're losing, what they're scared of is that their white privilege is over. Yes. And they can't understand. Well, why can't we just, you know, have things the way we were and the way they are and they they are fighting against a world or their world that's gone their world that they wanted is gone now you know it's not that type of world and they're holding on to their life because even though as a narcissist he's a brilliant con man oh yes he is and understand he did the old art of war Sun Tzu, Divide and Conquer. Got to read the book. I tell people all the time, you got to read that book. You got Divide and Conquer. So Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? I'm going to find a faction of America Mm -hmm. who doesn't even align with the Republican Party's views or things. They're not upper, rich, ultra rich. But what he had talented them, he scared them. Mm -hmm. And fear is the most um, powerful emotion when it's not checked. Mm-hmm. And it scared them. You're going to lose your supremacy. You're not going to be because I was reading something. Of the problem with the white man is that he has bought into this perpetual pyramid scheme that you will be the CEO. You will be doing this. And when they finally find out that, no, you're not better than everybody. No, you're not going to do all of this. Then it becomes almost something that they have to go back with violence and control. No, I would agree with you. If, if you're going to pinpoint where mental illness exists within that situation, and I'm going to tell you something, and you can probably go ahead and throw Giuliani in there. You can throw in Rubio, um, Ted Cruz, because if you were looking to the rhetoric that they were saying, 
I was like, the thing, the fact that they could believe their own lies, which is not uncommon with people that are delusional, so to speak. But we were seeing Donald Trump begin to unhinge well before the election. Remember, he said before it happened, if I'm not elected, there's fraud. Yes. Before a, vo- a single vote had ever happened. See, he implanted this idea. And I can't tell you how many intelligent people really still think that. And I was like, yeah. I said, well, if that's the case, let's roll it back four years because he didn't win the popular vote. So technically something was wrong with the Electoral College. Right. Yeah. But civility existed. And guess what? Mm-hmm. People just Hillary Clinton just conceded and said, I lost. That's it. But he's not a civil person. He's so not a civil person. If you look at his history, his even his business history. It's, it was like, what was it about him that magnetized these people, his followers? Because he's had racist practices in business, in his housing. Yes, product. he has. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not as successful as people like to think. Yeah, you've got some successes, but no. boy, you've got a string of failures too. A lot more. So mm-hmm. that's, lot more. that's that perception and perspective, right? So, mm-hmm. but still- that was it's the charisma. He's he's charismatic. He's charismatic, and he found a faction that make America great again. Which we know what it's code for. What it's code for is make white America great again. That's what it is. We, we can't put it down there. But if we're really going to dissect what that is, that the the, the, the black so you know it, it's the same rhetoric that Hitler used in Nazi Germany. Maya great comparison it's that same thing that we are entitled and they're going our entitlement is taken away and that's the issue that's the issue that's what the issue is um and hopefully we can band together after this giant stain on our country you know because i i was listening to some of the rhetoric and from my understanding was it didn't the slaves Build the White House and <laughs> the Capitol building, yes, and they were yelling. Build, build, build DC. Yes, they put, they put, they put the whole group 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 Yeah, Ben Ben Jim Banneker. Ben Jim Banneker. But they didn't mean the they didn't mean the physical building. They were talking about the intangibles, the government, the wealth, the power that it symbolizes. They didn't care about the building. That's not what they meant. The building is a symbol, but they meant everything that building represents. That was my work, and it's funny they keep saying. My country. What about the other billions of people here that don't agree with you? It's also their com- their country. Well, you're living a whole fraction faction of people out that don't agree. Then they get mad and say, "But I didn't do that. I wasn't responsible for slavery." But hold up, you want to hold on to the uh, to the Declaration and the Constitution? We did that, but no, you didn't. No, you didn't. So you got to pick a side. Mm. Well, it's wow. not going to be easy. That's for sure. Wow. This doesn't go, people. This doesn't go away after the inauguration. You do realize, based on Donald Trump's mental health, that the minute he's no longer held to any type of context of being the president, he now has an open forum to do whatever he wants, and he's going to keep emboldening people to act out. And it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous. He's going to be more dangerous than when he was actually president. If you want to know the truth, so it doesn't matter if they block him on social media. Because what do you do? You just create your own app exactly. because it's private and now you can act and do whatever you want and keep people out. People don't understand this has just gotten a lot worse than you really believe it is. It's, it's going to well, get ugly. Yeah. Well, Maya, I, I have, I think, and I don't know, I don't know the sister's name, but I think the attorney general in New York City is going to have something to say on the yeah. 21st of January. 
about oh, yeah. how Donald Trump is going to move because I think he's going to be brought up on charge. Well, he's going to have to be, but it doesn't mean that that's going to he see that that group of people that that fringe group that's acting out. That's going to enrage them more. And that's the problem because in there he now has convinced them when he said you are loved. Oh my, you don't understand what he was, what he was saying to them. And I was like this, I said, you don't understand how bad that is what he just said. He just condoned their behavior. And he only came back and corrected the message at the end. So it doesn't matter what happens to him. He has that living legacy now. And even if he doesn't create the app, I already know people who are like, I listen to people at my job who clearly are Trump supporters, like how they have these little messenger groups that they, they're in. I'm just telling you, not good. I don't want people to live in fear, but I'm just saying you need to open your eyes. Hmm. Mm, wow. Can I say something real quick? Wow. Yes, Diamond. Frank, come on. We, we, I was getting ready to come to you, Diamond. The the 53-year-old Diamond is on the live line. <laughs> Go ahead, Diamond. I wanted to say, I don't know if anyone has ever um, seen the new Wonder Woman, the uh, uh, WWE 1984. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's a part in there. I'm not trying to spoil it for you guys, but what Donald Trump did, I want to say, is very... Not only is he on a spectrum um, that he needs some type of medication for, some micro, somebody's micrograms um, to, treat, <laughs> to treat his issue. Outside of that, what he did was very spiritual. And I would say spiritual to, to the point of, you know, just running some type of cult, um, letting his people know, because there's a difference between the Republicans and Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do believe the Trump supporters are called by a different source. And with Patriots. that being said, yes. And with that being said, when he said, "Oh, you are loved," I said, "Oh my God!" He just basically uh, canceled out whatever he invoked just to kind of like slow it down for a second. I don't believe that he's actually going to, like you said, stop. I believe that he is going to. It's going to get worse. Um, but we have to do something. And this just goes to tell you how our country is ran. Um, how we have not put laws in place. I can't believe how they were able just to, I mean, break down the the doors and the windows of the White House. I mean, of the White House, the, um, Capitol. the Capitol building. Yeah. And I'm just like, are you serious? It was horrible to see all those people out there like that. And he called people from the hills. They weren't from, you know, there were some that, of course, at the end of the day, you know, when they go back in, to their own little building, house, whatever. They have their, because I think a couple of CEOs got, you know, mm-hmm. released from their jobs and mm-hmm. everything. And I'm just like, so you mean to tell me we have, we still today have people in these little white suits or, you know, with a tie, white collar shirts with a tie, and they're just doing their regular business. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're still running this division of being racist. Yes. It's amazing to me. That's that's why I mentioned people people may not even remember this because this happened like in the 1970s. Jim Jim Jones, which was a cult, um, it was called the People's Temple, I think it was, and he was very charismatic. Go Google it; it's a documentary about it. It's really interesting. He got people. I mean, I'm talking about everyday normal people with his rhetoric. That's the spiritual piece of it. They moved to Guyana. Literally, they were death by suicide at the end of the day, and he shot himself. That's why I mentioned the cult and Jim Jones, because Donald Trump reminds me a lot of Jim Jones. So Google that, and you'll be like, oh, wow. But that was, like, so early. A lot of people maybe have never heard of that. But there's some similarities to him. 
Don't drink the Kool-Aid, okay? Don't drink the Kool-Aid. I'm sorry. Yeah, when I said Jim Jones, I didn't mean the rapper. Maybe people thought I was talking about. No, they were. I just thought about that. We know the Jim Jones you're talking about. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Wrong Jim Jones. No, but that's what you're like trying to say. I was going to also say that also, despite what you just said, as far as with Jim Jones, in the movie of Wonder Woman, you know, that I forgot his name, the character, whatever. You know, he was basically doing the same thing. That character in that movie is amazing, was Donald Trump. And even with it, and we have to be mindful of Donald Trump's son as well. Mm-hmm. Trump Jr., Donald mm-hmm. Jr., whatever. Because mm-hmm. I'm concerned about, I mean, all their kids are like they're in a trance. But let me just say this really quick. Um, what I saw with everyone jumping out there in the building and just doing what they were doing at D.C., if you just look at them, and even with the young lady, um, her name—I think her name was Maya, no pun intended—the one that uh, accused the white, the the black, the you know, the kid with the phone or taking her, uh, taking her phone or what have you. At the hotel. Yeah, yeah. The iPhone. Yeah, Everybody yeah. Everybody who has this spectrum about them, who's on the—I I call them for them on the spectrum. Um, they have the same look. Their eyes are buck. Mm-hmm. You know, they look like they're in a trance. They're not really like themselves. I don't know what it is, especially with um, some some of them who are Caucasian. You know, I'm trying to be politically correct here. Um, you know, who are white, and I look at all of that. I'm looking at how they how they are with, as far as just how they look in their eyes, how their eyes are dilated. Um, I look at their voice diction in regards to how high it is. All of that. And that's only because, you know, me and my forensics and what have you. But it's just everything that I'm looking at, I'm saying, okay, you don't need to be in society. You need some help. And a lot of these people who are out here who have been on some type of medication, you know, social workers, social workers, I don't know if they're able to actually get the help that they need once they're released from the hospital. And it just continues to be a perpetual situation. And I think Donald Trump is one of them that should have had help a long time ago. Or someone speaking to him because he has issues that stems from his father, that stems from his mother, that's never been fixed. And these are finite issues that I think continues to go on and on and on. Because I didn't see him to be this bad. Like when he was on uh, Fresh Prince, when he showed up on other black mm-hmm. shows, I'm like, he didn't seem like this, saying Donald Trump. So what happened? What became this issue and made him who he is today? Outside of the power, power and greed. Yeah. That, that that's that sums it up right there. Power and greed. Power is consuming. They're, op- they're operating off of power and greed. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about it is that they, for once in their life, their power structure has been challenged. Because 2021 to me wasn't that bad. You know, uh, on Tuesday, uh, and then early Wednesday morning. Georgia, uh, not my home state. I'm originally from New York, but I, I am so proud of what Georgia did, especially mm-hmm. my county, the Cab County, at the at the light brought it home. And now we have control of the Senate, the House, and the presidency. Now, what they do for it, we must understand. Mm-hmm. Our vote has to be honored. We can't mm-hmm. just let people get in the office and then it's business as usual. Right. But for six hours, I woke up around four or five o'clock in the morning, read that Ossoff 
was leading and Warnock had, for six hours I celebrated because I never thought, first of all, the state of Georgia turned blue. Absolutely not. And then a black man and a Jewish man mm. in the state of Georgia are now U.S. senators. Wow. Okay. Okay. It was a 10. It wasn't the same you know, exhilaration as when Obama got you know, presidency, and, and because that was a whole different euphoric because it's like, I never in my life concept thought that a black man could be president in these states. So, you know, but it was, it was there and it lasted for six hours until, you know, and I'm looking in between clients, I'm looking at the screen in my office and I'm like, okay, these proceedings, I want to see the 11 senators act stupid and get, but, and then it's a total coup. This yeah. is a total insurrection. Yeah. Stop calling it riot. Stop calling it oh, yeah. protest. Right. It was an insurrection. It was yes, it was. Cool. You're right. No, you're right. I agree. Because I was talking with friends and I was like, this is the stuff that typically the United States sends military troops to other countries for. Yeah, to squell. So, yeah, we squell, we squell uprisings like this, right? Exactly. Mm. But then, to bring it back to mental health, what we saw on Wednesday during this coup was yet another instance of, and I'm gonna just say it like this: white folks act up and they they live. White privilege. There was, was one. Another, there was, was white one fatality uh, from the 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 insurrection. But had Black Lives Matter protests, peaceful protests. Oh, we. At my 14-year-old was like, they had tear gas and rubber bullets. But people are up on, which is technically trespassing, the Capitol steps. And then to enter the rotunda, which has been closed for years. And you just getting put into the paddy wagon like you may be drunk and disorderly on Friday night or something. The message that that sends to not just our young people, but people of color, period. It's like, really? That just further reinforces that message. Double standard. Mm-hmm. That, that Super double standard. Double standard. <laughs> that, so we really just trying to survive. Because how can I thrive in this situation where it is so clear and apparent that my life is not valued? Even when I'm not doing anything but walking down the street, going home, sleeping in my bed, playing in the yard, walking through Walmart. We know how it goes. Well, I ain't doing what, nothing. This is what I want to challenge everybody on here, right? So we talk about, and I, I talk about in uh, my therapy sessions that there's a silver lining to every storm, right? 2020 was a monsoon, tsunami, hurricane, anything that you want, an incredible storm. But what is the silver lining? What is the lesson learned? I'm a big Jay-Z, DJ Rowland, and, and uh, my man up there on the ones and twos. I'm a big Jay-Z fan, right? <laughs> and one of my greatest lines that he ever, ever says is that a loss is not a loss. It's a lesson. Appreciate the pain. It's a blessing. We learn from all our losses. So what did we learn? What can we learn? First of all, I know Shanta and I, you know, we, we, we're coming for uh, – building a mental health consortium, basically, run by Blacks. We have to get our own. There's no way, that's why, 
you know, just being on this panel empowered by these beautiful black minds, we have to stop asking for seats at the table yeah. and build our own table, right? I was I was in a company where I made $50 an hour for a service that they charged $300 an hour for. I did that. I did the work, but I, I, I get portions, right? While they, not, not alone. And that's why I went to private practice because no more or no more to get rich off my back and my work. And we have so many talented people just on this call. So the challenge is to get this information out, mm -hmm. to understand and to come together. You know, one of the, you know, a lot of us don't celebrate Kwanzaa like we should, but just those tenets of Kwanzaa, mm -hmm. self-determination, cooperative economics, mm -hmm. right? That's what we have to do now. So if we haven't learned anything from 2020, silver lining is that, first of all, we as strong as we ever been because we're survivors. We're survivors. And now we have to understand that now that we've become a politically astute, oh yeah, we need to be a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. It's just um, wow. no one recognized that they were afraid for the for years and don't want to appreciate what we can present. Um, we're we're a big um, asset and people just don't believe it. That's what I see. They want it and they don't want to see it and then don't want to grow with it and take a chance. So we had to do basically what we have to do on our own and and and, and produce. Listen, I have one more question. We are coming up almost on the end of our podcast and I uh, I am just filled with joy um while I'm on this journey to being a better person. Um, with such amazing, amazing people that are on the line. I got to first big up um, because you meant we mentioned this a few moments ago about uh, John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock, actually senators. I think it's only fair that we now say U.S. senators, John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock. You you said it right on the nail, uh, Harry, a Jewish guy and a black guy. Hell, that's almost O.J. Simpson's dream team lawyers there. We're just missing an Italian. <laughs> okay, now. I'm just saying. Party. It's a party. It's a party. We're just missing an Italian guy. Yeah, we're just missing an <laughs> Italian guy. Um, an ally. An ally. An, an, an ally. An ally. Right, and when right. I but one, uh, but, but one question, one last question I want to ask everybody, um, because mental health. even through my mental health journey that I'm still on, there's a lot of epiphanies that I am seeing and that are coming out. Myself. A lot of stuff I didn't know about myself until this mental health thing went into full gear. Um, is mental health more of a bad thing than a good thing or can it be a good thing that outweighs the bad? Uh, let's say you, let's go to Maya first, and then we let everyone else speak about that. Let's say you, Maya. Part of who you are. The question is, how do you maintain it? If it's something you neglect, that's when it becomes a bad thing. But when you do proper maintenance like you should, it's a good thing that's going to enrich your life. You know, like it's, we talk about, I mean, you know, Ms. Hayes said something about self-care, not going through the motions. 
really committing to doing the things that are going to make you happy. And it's about the little things, not the big things. It's not feeling like you always have to appease people. So it only becomes, think about it, your mental state only becomes bad when you compromise it. That's what it comes down to. So it absolutely is not a bad thing. It's what you do. And don't be afraid to step outside the lines. You know, it's so funny that people always like, oh, I, I can't do that because that's, that's not what black people do. Okay, excuse me. There are many dimensions of who you are as a person. Please don't neglect all of them to think you should fall in line with one thing. You should really invest in yourself and nurture yourself. I'm probably the rarest, oddest, strangest person you'll ever meet, so to speak. I have all kinds of interest and strange things going on. I always say I have life ADD because I can't, I'm just all over the place doing stuff all the time. But that to me makes my life experience so much richer. And I'm to the point, especially now that I've gotten older, I can't always say when I was younger, it was easy to embrace my difference. I can't always say that. But now that I've grown and matured and really do the work, like I practice Buddhism. I'm not a Buddhist though practice the principle of Buddhism. It is so enlightening. I meditate, the mindfulness. I'm connected to so many things. I always tell people, even one of the best memes I saw too is stop seeing, trying to see the good in people and see people for who they are. Yeah. Mm. And if the good is there, mm. it, should, it should come out. And the yeah. same thing applies to you. Stop trying to be something for someone else and tap into your own goodness. So of course, it's always good unless you neglect it. Yes. And then it becomes a big issue, a real yes. big one. Because when the mental health demon comes out, when that Kraken comes out, guess what? It's own, period. And it's hard to write the ship if you're not being honest with yourself. Yeah. I'm getting the yeah. feeling that Maya... I'm getting the feeling that Maya saw my situation from July and I didn't even know it. Yeah, I, I think she has. Uh, Harry, what about you? Uh, can mental health be a good thing that outweighs the bad or is it still a bad thing that can be turned into something good let's say you um one of the things that i do is that i say that therapy is the anecdote to emotional poison right so much poison we have the trauma of just being and it's in our body right and we never get it out we're never able to express it we're never able to get it out so think about if an actual poison was in your body rotting you. That's what emotional poison is. And mental health is the ability to get that emotional poison out, to talk about situations. Sometimes you just need to have a conversation. Sometimes you just need to be felt, feel heard. At, um, and this is my shameless plug, at my, um, at a safe space, that is at www.asafespace2b.com, please visit my website. And that's what we really work on is having that relationship so that you're able to do and destigmatize in the, ooh, well, I'm going to sit down in the, in the chair. And no, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. And then having the ability to give strategies and tools to put into your tool pot to, to be able to cope with everyday life. So to answer your question, it is a necessity because Situations are not going to change overnight, but your way that you look at it in your perspective can by changing your dogmatic thinking and be open-minded and staying present, staying now centered and not ruminating on the past, not delaying your gratification to the future, but staying now present and being on that same page so that you can receive your blessings. Absolutely, absolutely. Amen. To absolutely, absolutely. Amen to that. Eslani Hayes, let's say you. I, you know, as I said before, mental health, mental wellness is part of the overall health. But what I do is 
like I said, I practice mindfulness and I prioritize self-care. I tell people you have to practice self-care and self-care is that routine maintenance that, you know, if you perform routine maintenance on your car, it runs well, it runs the way it's supposed to. The oil is getting where it's going. Everything moves and flows and stuff. If you don't perform that routine maintenance, things break down. So if you're not practicing self-care for your mental health, for your physical health, then you're going to have some breakdowns. So self-care for me is prioritize yourself. Put your mask on first. Be intentional about your care, which, you know, make sure you're doing it. Do what you say you're going to do. I'm going to take care of myself. I love me. Take care of myself. So check in with yourself. So that's why my new book, The Mindful Beginning Self-Care Journal, is a very reflective engagement, asking lots of questions. Do you know how to calm yourself down? Do you know what makes you happy? Do you know if you put yourself on the calendar? Because part of self-care is making sure you put yourself on the calendar and not canceling on yourself. Because we are prone to saying no to ourselves in efforts to please others sometimes and take care of them while we're running ourselves down. So, and maintaining friendships, that's the other pillar of self-care for me. And I think DJ Rollum said, if you have friends, they'll notice something is not right with you. And that's why you maintain those relationships, right? And it's reciprocal. It's not just they're going to notice what's going on with you because if you're a good friend, you're going to notice what's going on with them and say, hey, you know, I noticed something's going on. You seem a little off. I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. I just want to check in. But if we are practicing our self-care, if we're being mindful, our mental health is absolutely a very beautiful mental wellness journey. But that's not to say Mm. that occasionally things don't happen. Because life happens. We're going to experience some challenges, which will lead to some change, hopefully positive change. Maya, love it. Uh, (laughs) But mental health is, is mental health. It's part of us. It's not something to be separated out of us. It's part of the whole. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. I know I learned some things um this morning and whatnot so uh, you y'all presented a lot of great information and and dialogue on about mental health and and it needs to be aware on a on a um i can't say daily basis because you don't know what's going to happen daily but just be aware and keep your like i tell my son um be aware of your surroundings and and i say that a lot and and he has instilled that in him um, as he's been growing. So that's the thing I, I promoted. And that's the thing. You got to be aware of your surroundings. You know, keep your eyes open and and keep your ears open too because a lot of the stuff is going to be audio. So you got to do what you have to do and just be that true person. Don't be a fake. Be a true person. If you feel like you need it, ask. If you know someone that uh, may be going through something, say something. So... Got to be vigilant on on both ends, right? Right, and right, like uh, right. and like uh, Diamond just said, be particular, as my grandma used to say. So wise words from Grandma Livingston. How about that? I, I think everyone 
on the call this morning have made some very valid points. And it's all about continuing the awareness uh, 365. Like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, mental health awareness should not just be limited to just once a month or one month out of a year, but it should be 365 days a year because uh, everybody's going through it. And it's not only in the black community, even though we have talked about it in this conversation uh, when it comes down to the history of what all of us on the line have went through as people of color. But I think it's just very um, vital that we keep these kind of conversations going compared to the conversations we did not have 20, 30, 40 years ago, Uh, because this is not something new. This is not something where it just popped up in 2016, 2017, 2020. This has always been going on. We just haven't had enough conversations about it. And I'm so glad that uh, we started off the new year uh, with one of the first of many shows to talk about it. So I really appreciate everyone for coming on the live line this morning on the Beat Break Morning Show, the Beat Break Podcast, as we talk about mental health awareness. And I will definitely keep everyone informed and posted on how everything is on my end as I continue on with my mental health journey. Before we all get off the line, I got to thank Maya Kai, host of Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition, once again. Uh, Maya, go ahead and give the people your social media handles and any information you want to pass on to our listeners. At mayaakai.com. Now, probably someone's like, Maya, that's like, what kind of name is that? So, M-A-Y-A. A-K-A-I. Um, you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel for my my my, my Ambition, Your Ambition podcast. I'm also on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Audibles, Google Play, Spotify, a whole bunch of different places. And of course, you can catch me here like almost like five days a week. So there you have it. So you can catch me here as well. Um, and Sundays. And Sundays. And Sundays. So I'm, I'm here quite a bit. So um, like I said, Maya underscore Akai, Instagram and Twitter, and Maya Akai Presents on Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome sauce there. Uh, Harry, uh, your full name, Harry, and I had it right the first time. Harry Gordon is Harry Scott Gordon. Uh, go ahead and give the people your information and where can people follow you? Again, with my shameless plug earlier, you can visit my website, www.asafespacetobe.com, and it has links to all my social media. You can go to H. Scott Gordon on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I'm just delighted, man. I'm, 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 I'm optimistic. I'm very optimistic that these conversations will go. Um, hopefully, um, I can be part of this, this movement, you know, about understanding and getting out the knowledge, because that's all it is, is getting out the knowledge and then being accessible for our people. So thank you for inviting me. Love you, brother. We got to definitely have you. Love you, brother. We got to definitely have you back on the show real soon. And last but not least, S. Lonnie Hayes, the latest book, Hope Love, is available right now online, uh, including on Amazon, uh, S. Lonnie Hayes. And she also has a new book out as well, too, which she will reiterate in just a few seconds. Go ahead, S. Lonnie Hayes, give out your social media handles and your information, please. Hey, thank you. The new book is the Mindful Beginning Self-Care Journal, and 
It can be found on Amazon. I am on all social media as SL Hayes underscore speaks. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. And we're really here to work with people because it's a process of working with persons on their journey toward a better them. All right. Thank you. Wonderful. That's what I like to hear. Thank you so much. We call it Shanta, by the way. Me and Harry, we call it Shanta because we go back with each other. So we can say Shanta. Y'all got to say S. Lonnie Hayes, though. S. L. Hayes, okay? On a, on a professional level, all right? Uh, <laughs> appreciate you all for coming on the Beat Break Morning Show, the Beat Break Podcast. Of course, you can follow Diamond Love. She chimed in a little bit later on the podcast. We really appreciate her for calling or actually tapping in with us as well. You can follow her on Instagram. Is it Miss Diamond Love One on Instagram? I want to make sure I got that correctly. On Instagram. Miss Diamond One Love. Miss Diamond One Love. Yes. On Instagram. IG. On Instagram. IG. Yep. Follow her on IG. DJ Roland, where can people follow you at? At DJ Roland, D J R O L L E M on IG and Twitter. And you want to get it with a good deal, go to DJ. Roland Townsend on Facebook, and we're going to know how to do social distancing um, events. So be on the lookout for that. Okay. Yep. Yep. You you can't be near DJ Roland's table. You got to be 10 feet away from DJ Roland's table. He's going to be like Martin Lawrence character from House Party. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, nah, I ain't getting no plastic on barriers. Like, what are you doing, man? Be on the dance floor. That's what you can do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and as always, ladies and gentlemen, follow me Facebook at Sean Garvey, Sean Garvey ATL on Instagram, Twitter. And we also have uh, multiple social media handles for Reach One Network and Podcast FM. Uh, but in the meantime, between time, you can follow us at Beat Break Radio on all your social media on Facebook, Twitter and on Instagram. And make sure you download that new podcast FM app available right now on all your Android devices and iPhone devices. Everyone here is going to download the podcast FM app to their devices, right? You can download you can download the podcast FM app on the uh, smartphones. You can go to the app market place on amazon for all of my android users out there you can also download the podcast fm app through beatbreakradiofm.com by going to the home page on the top of the home page and download it all right we are also on thinking out loud network thinking out loud network.com and on our affiliate beatbreak 87 fm in atlanta appreciate everyone and also r.i.p to diesel d if you do not know who diesel d is you should know he was the actor on er he was also one of the uh cast members of the uh classic cult film cb4 in which chris rock was in he was the dark-skinned guy that looked like dj Rowland from back in the day but uh <laughs> uh really hey Hey, I mean, what can I say, man? What can y'all y'all kind of looked alike? Y'all kind of looked alike, but but on on a serious note, though, rest in peace to Diesel D. He passed away passed away recently, so uh, shout outs to him, but also rest in peace to him. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends. All right, y'all, this has been the Beat Break Morning Show. I'm ready for the DJ Roland mix in just a few moments. DJ Roland, he's gonna put it down on the ones and twos, and we got a throwback hangover 
from one of our classic beat break interviews coming up. Stay tuned for the G-Way radio show coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, Maya Kai is going to be back on the airwaves with us at 11 a.m. Uh, to 12 p.m. We also got the Lunchbox mix from 12 to 1. 1 to 2, I will be back on with the BB Mobile Apps podcast. Shout out to the BB Mobile App team. This uh, show is also brought to you by BB Mobile Apps, bbmobileapps.com, of course. Uh, from 2 to 3, we got DJ Tomiko on the 1s and 2s. And, of course, from 3 to 6, the wild man Jeff is Moody with DJ Natural from 3 to 6 p.m. In which he is going to still talk about all things considered Donald Trump, even though we are with Joe Biden. Uh, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. He's going to talk about that. I know uh, Donna Love is happy about that uh, with her AKA sister Kamala Harris. Uh, six to <laughs> six to eight is the uh, guys, the the hip hop nerds, uh, the Ryan Show FM, and from eight to ten, of course, we have Random Select podcast with Mario Watts, and ten to twelve, uh, we have Radio Super. Uh, and from 12 to 1 is, of course, I did say Kamala. I, did, I didn't say Kamala. I said Kamala, Diamond Love. Yeah, come on now. You want me to say K. Harris? I can say K. Harris. Uh, <laughs> not Kumal. Okay, you come on alive and you say it right this time. I ain't trying to be, I ain't trying to be, uh, what's his name? David Perdue and get his, get her name messed up. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> I told you I'm gonna say K Harris for this point. <laughs> uh, and and uh, just a touch of J at 12 a.m. Uh, to end things off until the next morning. So it's the Beat Break Morning Show, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Beat Break 87 FM, Reach One Network, and Podcast FM. Until then, you all be safe. DJ Rolling Mix coming up right here on the Beat Break Morning Show, the Beat Break Podcast, and we're out. What up, K Harris? The Beat Break Morning Show with Sean Garvey, DJ Rolla, and the Wake Up Ladies. The only morning show where you can wake up next to more than just one woman.